A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. When he was in college, he would use his talent as a world-renowned hog caller as a way to pick up chicks. This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. It's 5.05 on a Wednesday. It is January 8th, 2020, and I'm Josh Scramlin. Welcome to the show. It's the Midwest Farm Report. We got you up until 6 a.m., and we have got a whole lot of stuff going on this morning. I'm going to be talking with Steve Maddox, a dairy farmer from California and one of the foremost experts on bovine tuberculosis. He's going to be talking to me about how that disease can affect a dairy herd, and he's also going to update me on the Wanakee dairy farm that was declared positive for TB back in October of 2018. Also, Pam is going to be sitting down with the Wisconsin Beef Council, and we are also going to hear from our good friend Caitlin Riley out of our lacrosse office. Don't forget to like our Facebook page. You can find us by searching Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook. And also, if you haven't noticed, we got a brand new website. It looks real, real slick. And you can find that by visiting MidwestFarmReport.com. I'll be back to talk with Steve Maddox in just a moment. Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Wisconsin's Soybean Marketing Board and BadgerBean.com, helping farmers grow sustainable crops to feed a hungry planet. And by your Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin exists to be a tireless advocate, marketer, and promoter for Wisconsin dairy farmers by growing demand for their dairy products. Keep up with Pam at FabulousFarmBabe.net, Facebook, and Twitter. Well, it's that time of year when we start thinking about diseases. We know that the flu season's here this time of year and that the flu season's hitting us hard here in Wisconsin. And the diseases aren't confined only to human beings, though. This is Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. And as we know all too well out in the farm country, the disease concerns strike hard with our animals. And in the dairy world, one of the things we've tried to be tried to hold off is TB in our dairy herds. Josh, how can we handle that? Well, Scott, you said it. Fewer things in the dairy industry are more detrimental to an operation than bovine tuberculosis. And in Wisconsin, the issue of TB hits very close to home. Now, think back to October 2018. There was a Wanakee dairy farm that tested positive for bovine TB. Prior to that, Wisconsin hadn't seen a positive TB case since the 1990s. So I spoke with Steve Maddox. He is the owner of Maddox Dairy in Riverside, California, and he's also an expert on bovine TB. So, I asked him to elaborate on the devastation this disease brings to a farm. Well, the devastation is you do all this biosecurity and you're doing the best you can and then all of a sudden you, you have uh, this health issue come up and it, it's, it just cuts you off at your knees. You know, you, you try to do the best in health, you're doing uh, vaccinations, you're trying to treat the cows with best cow comfort and then you have uh, this come up and it... it uh, really stymies your whole economics because part of 
what you do is also you spread manure, you, you, you merchandise cattle in addition to your milk, and, and that just puts a big damper on it. The biggest questions that the public has is, uh, well, how does this happen? So how can something as TB happen to a dairy? Well, obviously, TB can, can be spread from cow to cow, bovine TB, but also humans can cover it. You, you've got 20% of the animals in, in Mexico, uh, dairy cattle, have got TB. And it's endemic in the, in the population in Mexico because people drink, drink raw milk. That's why we pasteurize milk, mm-hmm. and that and brucellosis. And so, um, and, and if I'm not mistaken, this herd in Wanaki, um, you know, they DNA test the TB and find out, try to track it. In my case, they tracked it off base when I had it 10 years ago mm-hmm. in my herd. And, and uh, their the upper levels of APHIS was projecting out that it had come from a human source, but that they couldn't really detail the DNA. DNA in Wanaki was ninety, like a 95 or 97% match. Mm-hmm. Every time that D- TB is transferred, it changes a little bit on the DNA. But in this case, it was exactly matching an employee that they had that came down with a live case three years before. And this herd tested tested clean after that. Mm-hmm. And you say that you've been advising this herd in Wanaki. How's that been going? Uh, it, it, it's been going pretty good, except for, uh, um, you know, they, they've had some issues with, with uh, pricing of cattle and things like that. And, and as they've been get, uh, removing uh, cattle that are suspect, you know, sometimes your values that, that the uh, USDA comes up with isn't quite market values. Mm-hmm. And, and some of their marketing on their beef animals, uh, which is not harmful for humans as long as you cook the meat, mm-hmm. um, has been difficult for them. Now, you said you got it 10 years ago. Tell me, as somebody that's been through it, when it does test positive, what is the process from there? Who comes into your farm? Well, basically, they come in and, and they check all your records and they, they uh, actually uh, do a trace out of all the cattle you've sent out. Mm-hmm. In our case, we had been beefing our cattle through a packing house, so, which was the number one in the whole nation for detecting TB, which hadn't detected any. So, I mean, but we also had had sold 14,000 head of cattle to other dairy farmers in 15 states. And and it was going to require the testing of 400,000 head of cattle. And because we're a large purebred herd, we've exported cattle, we handle purebreds, we show cows, and, and uh, but we are the most TB-tested herd in the state. We are TB-certified free through 2003. And then we still came up with this in 2008. And it was... Uh, one cow, it was a, they missed it the first time they checked, and um, but it, it really stymied us, obviously. And but over the years, we've worked with USDA and trying to uh, update the program mm-hmm. and uh, trying to be more responsive. But up up and through 2007, 2008, other than the uh, deer population problem in Michigan, they were expecting, uh, they were thinking they had it eradicated in the United States. And you talk about being responsive. What are the precautions that you're taking now that uh, you've had some experience with it? We're now a TB-free herd, even though our state is certified Mm TB-free. We're testing the cows every other year. We're testing cows coming in, testing cows coming out. Obviously, you'd love to be a closed herd where you don't bring anything in and, you know, uh, new in. But since we have purebred cattle and we show cattle, uh, exhibit cattle, even here in Madison, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. um, we can't classify as a closed herd. We test our employees, and, and uh, every two years, 
We give them surveys. We also uh, test all new employees and any employees that go back to Mexico or leave the country are retested within three to six months after they come back. Uh, the difficulty is Department of Health, when an employee reacts to the skin test, they just x-ray the lungs. Well, bovine TB isn't held in the lungs. It's held in the spine or the renal areas, and uh, they, public health doesn't want to test the blood or test the urine to uh, confirm what kind of type. And then there are reports online that a vaccine has been found overseas but do you have any skepticism with that, or do you think anything will come to fruition with that? The difficulty with the vaccine is is that on your screening test, it'll react to the screening test. So you can't tell whether the cow was vaccinated or she actually has the disease. And there's a new, vac- new vaccine that they're developing in England right now because they have a badger problem with, with TB. And that supposedly has different uh, proteins, or, and it doesn't react that way. We'll see if they can develop that. But um, still, TB is a very small issue, but it's a huge issue for those who have it in the herd. But uh, there is vaccinations being done in, in uh, Mexico uh, and around the world. Uh, the third employee of my brother's herd, because we had to test all our employees when we were in, under quarantine, uh, blew up on his trace up. He happened to be a Japanese uh AI tech that we had that started as a trainee and we hired him permanent and he admitted after he blew his arm blew up on on the that screening test that he had been vaccinated after world war ii and and the doctor said what are you doing being tested (laughs) you should have told us up front so i mean but but that's some of the problems with the vaccine what do you see the next five or ten years being with the battle against tv in the u.s aphis usd aphis has gotten away from necessarily depopulating whole herds. They're trying to get more people test out just because of the dollar aspect. You have the herds are getting bigger. In my case, it was 50 to $70 million. And, you know, the Assistant Secretary of Ag from USDA came out and said, we ain't going to go to Congress and, and ask for 50 to $70 million for one yeah. dairy farm, which they can't physically do. And it's, it behooves everybody to, to work on their biosecurity and, and uh, proceed on that. Hopefully they do get a vaccine. Hopefully we, we get a handle on uh, the TB sources that are coming in. Hopefully we have a better immigration policy where we can bring these employees in and uh, give them full health screenings before they come in. And, and uh, that will uh, strengthen our, our chances of not being saddled with this issue. And then before I let you go, uh, what is the latest update you can give me on the farm in Wanakee? They're, they're, uh, they're testing out. And I believe that they have, they've uh, haven't had any reactors for a while, and, and uh, hopefully they'll be released from quarantine pretty quick. Good people, good good community members, and, and uh, just just got caught in a bad situation. That is Steve Maddox. He is the owner of Maddox Dairy in Riverdale, California. He is the most recent winner of the prestigious Dairyman of the Year Award at the World Dairy Expo, and he is also one of the leading voices in the understanding of bovine tuberculosis. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Hi, this is Dave Gary, and I got to tell you, the energy inside the Princeton Club this time of year is amazing. And you should see all the reinvestment and upgrades we've done inside the clubs. But hey, as we start 2020, here's a thought for a better tomorrow. Why not set a goal for ourselves to become even better this year? Better than we've ever been. 
One area that can have the biggest effect on the rest of our lives and the quality of them is our health. And at the Princeton Club, we can help make that your reality because our clubs are designed around you and what really works. It all starts with a specific exercise program tailored just for you. It's developed by our friendly and highly trained staff. And trust me, they really are the best in the business. And then it all happens inside our world-class facilities, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and with free childcare. Most importantly, you'll feel welcome here. Best rates of the year available now. Visit PrincetonClub.net. Who was your hero when you were a kid? Whether it was Joe DiMaggio or Jackie Robinson. Rosa Parks or Sally Ride. Bogart or Brando. You're just the right age to do something important that you can be remembered for. Even if you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, or beyond, you can register to become an organ and tissue donor. Surprised? You shouldn't be. Today, people of all ages and even with health conditions can sign up to donate the gift of life. And it's so important. Every age, every ethnicity is needed. If we all signed up, imagine the lives we could save. The families we could help. So whether you admire John Wayne or James Dean, Robert Redford or Roberto Clemente, Elvis Presley or Ella Fitzgerald, do something important that could make a real difference and change lives. Get the facts today and register to become an organ donor. Find out how at organdonor.gov. Or call 1-866-99-DONATE. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. When asked to name his favorite family members, he asks if the animals in the barn count. This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. 518 on the clock. It's January 8th, 2020. And right now I'm connecting live via Skype with ag meteorologist Stu Muck. Stu, good morning. How are things going? Good morning, Josh. So far, aside from being a little colder, not a bad start. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir. I walked out of my apartment this morning, and the wind was cutting right through me. Is it like that all across the state? It is. Everybody's on the cold side, and we have a wind that goes along with it, so it feels a lot more chilly. In fact, wind chills this morning. Oh, you know, five above to five below. So a chillier start. We haven't had one of these so far this year, but we had this cooler start today, and it stays cooler during the day. What's brought this all around? Well, of course, low pressure pushed a cold front through here yesterday. High pressure is building in. It's out to our west now. And during the day, I expect that we aren't talking about precipitation, but cold air that's building in on northwest winds. They stay strong enough to keep it a bit chilly here during the day. I mean, a lot of us will just end up in the upper teens. Madison might be our warm spot at about 20. That's about all there is to hope for. So some cooler air, actually cooler than normal, is what this day is going to be. And when you add the breeze, it feels pretty chilly. Now that all changes. In fact, that high starts sliding off to our east, and as it does... Through the nighttime, winds become more southeast and south, tapping into a little more mild air. Temperatures tonight will, in fact, be rising. They will get warmer, but that's ahead of another low. And then next low is moving in from the Pacific Northwest. Radar not indicating this doing a whole lot now. There's a little band of snowfall out in the western and southern parts of North Dakota, east-central South Dakota, southwest Minnesota. Really light activity right now out to our west. But I expect as that low does begin to edge on in, we'll see that pick up a little bit. Temperatures, as I've said, moderate, warming up overnight. But into the day tomorrow, then, a chance of precipitation. Could start out a little mixture early Thursday. 
freezing rain or a little snowflake activity. More likely rain is what we'll be talking about tomorrow, and it lasts into Thursday night before ending. Owen could mix with a snowflake or two Thursday night. Not a big deal. We're not talking snow accumulation, and rainfall amounts will be less than a tenth of an inch if we even get enough to measure. But that precipitation chance, more mild air, but that's the big news. Back to well above normal as all of this happens into the day Thursday. Cooling somewhat, staying above normal for Friday. For southern Wisconsin, we have to look toward the weekend when another low will pass just off to our south. And even La Crosse into Madison, we may be talking about an inch or two of snow Friday night or just into Saturday. And even with that snow around, temperatures holding more at the normal level, at least in the mid and upper 20s here, heading right on toward the weekend. So we don't have a really huge or long-lived cold snap today, one of the colder days we've seen in a while, and things turn around again for later in the week. I'll have the forecast details right after this. Castles, culture, and cows. That's the combination we've got lined up for you on our next agriculture adventure. I'm Pam Yonke, inviting you to come along to Scotland and Northern Ireland, September 15th through the 25th. We'll start off with three nights in Glasgow, where we'll cruise Loch Lamond, tour the Inverary Castle. Then it's on to historic Edinburgh and touring the capital cities of Belfast and Dublin. Just think about the history there. You want to talk history? We'll be touring the Titanic Belfast Museum and also witnessing the breathtaking Giant's Causeway. We've got agricultural highlights included, a visit to an Ireland dairy farm, and the fantastic National Museum of Rural Life in Scotland. Call 800-826-2266 for details or email me for a brochure, pam at midwestfarmreport.com. Also online, holidayvacations.com. Scotland and Ireland, join us. 522 on the clock. It's Josh Gramlin for the Midwest Farm Report talking with ag meteorologist Stu Muck. Connected live via Skype right now. Stu, before the break, you were saying that the southern part of the state could be seeing some snow on Friday night. Is the rest of the state going to get spared? Well, they might have some, but it's going to be, you know, flurries or a little snow showers. Okay, I see. It's it's the south that could get some that actually accumulates. But that's Friday night into Saturday. I mean, we've got a long way to go. It's only Wednesday, and today is a cold day, one of the colder ones we've had around here lately. And what I'm expecting is a lot of upper teens or near a 20 in southern Wisconsin with clouds that roll in and winds that keep things chilly. Northwest winds 5 to 15, becoming northeast a bit later on. Still a chilly day is what we have in store with the clouds rolling on in slowly and surely. Mostly cloudy overnight. Now, there's where things change. Overnight, we may drop early, but I expect things to warm up overnight. In fact, mid-20s for most of us by tomorrow morning, and with the southwest winds developing then at about 5 to 15. Thursday, that system builds in from the northwest. Cloudy skies, a slight chance of a little freezing rain or a snowflake early. More likely, just some light rain possible during the day, but a whole lot more mild and breezy. Mid-40s with south winds 8 to 18, even gusting around 30. A little rain on into Thursday night. Could mix with some snow as it ends late. Cloudy skies, not all that bad. Nighttime lows Thursday night still holding in the upper 20s or around 30. And the south winds will be around 5 to 15 and a bit gusty. Friday, cloudy skies and maybe some rain early on. And then a little snow, especially on toward the evening. Friday's high, mid-30s. 
with the north winds at 5 to 10. And like I said, in the south, an inch or two could accumulate Friday night into Saturday. And just a little breezy, but above normal, at least temperature-wise, Josh, right through the weekend. All right, Stu, thank you so much. We will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great one. All right. Yep, you as well. That's Ag Meteorologist Stu Muck taking a look at some current conditions. It is real chilly out there. Seven degrees in Shawano right now, 13 in Whitewater, seven in Mauston, eight in Oshkosh, zero degrees in Wausau, and 11 degrees in Green Bay. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Whether you are going on a short vacation or consider yourself a snowbird, it is important to prep your home before you leave. Madison Area Crime Stoppers and the Madison Police Department Crime Prevention Unit have 10 safety tips for you. Number one, make sure all of your exterior doors and windows are locked and then double check them all. Number two, make sure someone will shovel your sidewalk. Number three, have someone you trust check on your house every day or every other day. Number four, leave a contact number with a neighbor in case of an emergency. Tip number five, stop your mail and newspapers. Number six, make sure you have lights set on automatic timers and install exterior motion lights if you don't have them. Number seven, encourage a neighbor with more than one vehicle to park their vehicle in your driveway or garage. Number eight, don't mention that you're away on social media sites. Not only does it tell thieves you're away, but it's free information for scammers. Tip number nine, make an inventory list with photos of all your valuables. And tip number 10, make sure to sign up for Madison Police Department's vacation watch service. You can visit at madisonpolice.com for more information. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at wfbf.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. We're on mutual insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Edinburgh, Belfast, Dublin, those are just a few of the stops on our next agriculture adventure. I'm Pam Yankee, inviting you to come along. Scotland and Northern Ireland are next destinations, September 15th through the 25th. We'll visit the Titanic Belfast Museum, take in the breathtaking Giant's Causeway. We'll also tour the cities of Belfast and Dublin. For details, call 800-826-2266 or go to MidwestFarmReport.com. Carrier has a complete line of home heating products to keep your family comfortable this winter without burning your budget. With smart temperature management and remote access options, it's easier than ever to control your home's climate. And Carrier energy-efficient systems can help reduce utility bills without sacrificing comfort. For more complete comfort and greater peace of mind, turn to your Carrier expert. Call your Carrier factory-authorized dealer, Parker Heating and Cooling in Madison. Mmm, need to get some rest. This is the worst headache ever. Mmm, right arm's all tingly all of a sudden. Must have slept on it last night. I keep losing my balance. 
These old bones need some exercise. Granddaddy, what you just said doesn't even make sense. It sounds like gibberish. Sounds like these could be more than what they seem. They could be a sign of stroke. Sudden weakness or numbness of the face, arm, or leg. Sudden trouble with vision in one or both eyes. Sudden trouble walking or difficulty with balance. Or a sudden intense headache that comes out of nowhere. If you or someone you know has any of these symptoms, don't wait. Call 911 immediately. You could make a difference in someone's life, someone you love, maybe even your own. Time lost is brain lost. Find out more at PowerToEndStroke.org. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Mmm, need to get some rest. This is the worst headache ever. Mmm, right arm's all tingly all of a sudden. Must have slept on it last night. I keep losing my balance. These old bones need some exercise. Granddaddy, what you just said doesn't even make sense. It sounds like gibberish. Sounds like these could be more than what they seem. They could be a sign of stroke. Sudden weakness or numbness of the face, arm, or leg. Sudden trouble with vision in one or both eyes. Sudden trouble walking or difficulty with balance. Or a sudden intense headache that comes out of nowhere. If you or someone you know has any of these symptoms, don't wait. Call 911 immediately. You could make a difference in someone's life, someone you love, maybe even your own. Time lost is brain lost. Find out more at PowerToEndStroke.org. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. All right, well, we start the movement of no more back-to-backs with the uh, the Spurs. I said it yesterday in the Daily Action Zone. Not that I thought the Bucks would lose the game. I just I felt uneasy about the matchup going two and three days. You give a good coach like Popovich two shots at it. He's you know he's going to figure it out. Um, I know some Buck fans are like you know freaking out about the loss on Twitter after the game. I'm like, well, a it's 82 games, and b it's like I know the Spurs are down, but it's still the still the fur the Spurs, man. I don't understand how the Spurs are down. They had an eight-game losing streak this year, so they have 20 losses on the year. Eight of them were consecutive. Wow. And I looked at their schedule, and over that stretch, they, they lost to like the Timberwolves and Grizzlies on that stretch, but they had like the Clippers twice, the Lakers, uh, the Blazers were healthy when they had them. Like They just had this unbelievably tough stretch, and I still, if you're coached by Greg Popovich, you shouldn't lose that many in a row. But the Spurs are much better than their... 14, they will now 15 and 20 record. I mean, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay, like those guys are still ball players. Yeah, I mean, well, the Spurs shot, what, 54 point something, whatever percent from three point land? Like when a team's hot, a team's hot. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. The Bucks' last two losses, Christmas Day and now yesterday, the other team has shot above 50% from three point land. Now, how does, does that fall on like defense for the Bucks, or is that just a team's feeling it? I think it's give and take. I, I, yeah. You can, the Bucks are very comfortable letting certain guys take three-point shots, they'll they'll kind of, you know, forfeit those, right? And they, they want to get people driving or taking mid-range shots. I had a conversation with Eric Bledsoe about that the other day. But, like, the way that they operate, they're going to give up some open threes. But also, there are very talented players in the NBA, and sometimes when you get hot, and we see it with the Bucks, shooting is contagious, right? Like, mm-hmm. we talk about that all the time when the Bucks get hot at Pfizer Forum, and that's what the Spurs did uh, down there in San Antonio last night. That's what the Sixers did on Christmas Day. Sometimes you just get hot and you you ride it out. No, the Bucks lost by twenty two points. That's like the biggest. That's the biggest loss I remember them taking in quite some time. Can you remember a loss they had that big? I never honestly like. I mean, and, not that I care about it. No, but, but honestly, like 
unless they're so the Bucks were seven point favorites last night. So if like it would have been the Spurs minus nine or something, I would have paid attention to the final score. Yeah, but. Like on Christmas Day, they were down big, and then they battled back. But really, the score wasn't as close as, as the final score predicted. Last night, the Bucks got it to six in the third. They were down ten to start the fourth, and then I think with like five or four minutes left, there was a twelve point game, and they just didn't make that final push. So like twenty two or whatever you said it was, like yeah, that's a big number. But you know, the Bucks were in it. You know, with twelve minutes to yeah, play, people get so, upset over it. They're still thirty two and six. That's the NBA's. Best record. Yeah, so I looked up yesterday and I tweeted it out. The date, the past, since Giannis came in the league, the date that the Bucks lost their sixth game of the season, the latest it's ever been was last year. Take a guess. The latest? The uh, latest they've ever lost their sixth game of the year. December 1st. November 26th <laughs> since Giannis came in the league. Wow. So basically Thanksgiving. That's crazy. So for the last six seasons, they've had six losses at Thanksgiving. They had their sixth loss of the year yesterday, and it's Damn. January 6th. So like, That's incredible. And they're still up, I want to say, five games, five and a half games on the Celtics for the number one overall seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they yeah. still have Giannis healthy. Uh, I feel well, the only good. team with 30 wins, too. 30, more than 30 wins. Because the Lakers have 29. Yeah, Lakers 29 and 7, Celtics 25, Nuggets 25. They've also played more games than everyone. They That's have, true, they've too. They've played like yeah. four more games than yeah. the Spurs. They've played five more games, I think, now than Boston. Like, they've just, which really helps them on the second half of the year. So they're, that's nothing to complain about. But yeah, they've played more basketball. They've, I think they've done now five back to backs and they have 11 total this season. So. They're sitting pretty for the second half. Visiting with our uh, Bucks insider, Tony Cartagena. All right, how, how much uh, buyer's remorse, Tony, does the four-letter network have for uh, for Bucks and Warriors tomorrow night? I mean, <laughs> look, I'll give him credit. I see the schedule come out. That's a sexy, juicy matchup, man, uh, you know, in, in October. You're th- I know Durant's gone, but, man, it's still Steph. It's still uh, Draymond. It's still Steve Kerr. It's Giannis. It's just the passing of the torch. And now you have – I mean, like, I we all knew – that Golden State would fall, but my God, nine and twenty-nine. Uh, poor old ESPN, right? They get all these Bucks games, and it's you know the Clippers empty the bench, or the Warriors are terrible. Like they they just can't get to dream sexy Bucks matchups this year, can they? The Warriors have two Milwaukee Public Schools products on their roster, so there is there no hate from the Warriors coming on my end. There you go, yeah. Kevon Looney and Jordan Poole holding it down for the state. So that's pretty cool. I'm all in on watching the Warriors play the Bucks. A man that knows any food tastes better when deep fried and served on a stick. This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. MidwestFarmReport.com is where you want to go to claim your free, fabulous farm baby bib, courtesy of Quick Trip as they support Wisconsin agriculture. I'm Josh Scramlin sitting behind the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News desk. we still got a lot ahead. Pam Yonke will be talking with the Wisconsin Beef Council in just a few moments. But first, I'm going to toss it to Caitlin Riley. Caitlin? It's a topic we've been talking about from the ground up in agriculture, trade, especially with the pending ratification of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement and talks with China. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Caitlin Riley, talking with Randy Gordon. He's president and CEO of the National Grain and Feed Association, and he says agriculture has been in a volatile environment. 
Our members are the grain elevators and feed manufacturers and grain processors, flour millers, corn millers, and those kind of folks, as well as exporters that purchase grains and oil seeds from farmers and then market those to both domestic and uh, world consumers. So with the trade situation, it's been kind of a rocky road this year. I think the Trump administration is very correct in tackling some of the egregious practices that the Chinese have been engaged in, but agriculture has certainly been the tip of the spear in suffering the consequences of that. Again, we're hopeful, I think, that there'll be some resolution in that area. Gordon says grain elevators were deeply hit by earlier disruptions of trade with China. Particularly our, our export elevators out in the Pacific Northwest have been really hit hard by this disruption of trade with China because that was such a big market for them. So we have elevators out in that area operating at a fraction of what their capacity is. And it's an example, too, is the Washington State Department of Ag that does export inspections for our grain moving and export is having to raise fees because the volumes are down so much this year. So that's an indication, too, even from a state government standpoint of what repercussions of this have been. He's hopeful for what the USMCA ratified agreement can bring to the table. For the grain industry, one of the real advantages is it addresses a lot of the sanitary and phytosanitary trade disruption, things that can come because of extraneous issues related to plant pests and that kind of thing, and even a very good biotechnology provision that commits the the three governments to coordinate so we don't have trade disruptions caused by biotech events. We also want to talk about Japan. What's the implications of us working out that deal? Well, that was a real success story for both the Japanese and the U.S. governments in getting that agricultural agreement done. And that's one thing we really advocated strongly at NGFA to the administration is with the TPP and now the comprehensive agreement that the Pacific Rim countries had, our wheat and dairy and other products would have been a tremendous competitive disadvantage had we not gotten this agreement with Japan to extend the same kinds of tariff measures to U.S. products as they're granting to other countries that are part of the new TPP. But all signs are that it really will help our trade flows going with Japan. And the Japanese love our wheat, and they love our dairy products, and they love being buyers of U.S. commodities. So the problem when you have disruptions like this is that that trade never, ever comes completely back. And that's one of the, frankly, the concerns about China is how can we get back to predictable high volumes of trade without having government-to-government agreements dictating those volumes. We need the market to dictate that and have the Chinese be able to purchase U.S. commodities. Of course, we're always advancing in agriculture and biotechnology is one of those means that we do. So do you want to tell a little bit about your organization and what we're doing with getting that information out there about being able to edit genes? Well, gene editing is an exciting new technology that's much less complex and it's much more precise in ways to move genes within the plant genome of the species and enhance things like drought resistance and some of the agronomic benefits of it, but also long-term some of the nutritional characteristics of grains and oil seeds. So we're very supportive of the technology, but we're also operating in both domestic and export markets. We all know what happened with transgenic biotechnology, where you're introducing a quote-unquote foreign gene into a plant, and the kinds of trade disruptions that caused if the importing country had not yet approved those traits. China was another big example with Syngenta's corn trait that they commercialized before China had approved it caused tremendous damage to our export market there and hurt farmers. We are really arguing for transparency in this environment, some kind of a notification approach to government. If a trait developer is developing a new trait, to notify the government of what commodity it's in, let them review it, hopefully on a science and risk basis, so we don't have the same cumbersome regulatory process. None of us believe that's necessary for these new traits. And to be able to be transparent with our consumers and our export customers about what's in our 
export shipments and domestic shipments as well. And I think that's important from a consumer confidence domestically as well. We've talked to a number of food companies and consumer groups. They're very supportive of the technology as well. But the consumer's right to know uh, is very important, and we need to build that trust in order to have this technology succeed. And it'll bring a lot of new competitors and, and open up this industry a lot, not only in the grain space, but also in flowers and fruits and vegetables and those kind of products. It's an exciting new technology, but we need to do it the right way this time and learn the lessons that we learned on the old biotechnology, if you will. Thank you again to Randy Gordon. Randy is a president and CEO of the National Grain and Feed Association, talking about trade and biotechnology and what that can mean for the bottom line of our farmers. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Caitlin Riley. Boy, Wisconsin weather has been tough on our farm equipment this year. Maybe now is a good time to push pause and take care of some maintenance. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee for my friends at McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street, just off Highway 12 in the heart of Sauk City. Remember, where everything is all under one roof, and that includes their fantastic service team. They've got a great deal going on now with McFarland's and Agco. Through February 29th, you can save 10% on maintenance and 10% on genuine Agco parts. Listen, that farm equipment needs to be reliable. You're using it every day. There is resale value to take into consideration and, of course, operating efficiency. McFarland's can help you walk through every step of evaluating that farm equipment and prioritizing what should come first on maintenance. Save 10% on maintenance and 10% on genuine Agco parts now through the end of February at McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City. He takes being called a pig as a compliment because he knows that they're smarter than most dogs and people. This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. Earlier in the week, when actor Joaquin Phoenix won an award at the Golden Globes, he started his speech by thanking the Hollywood Foreign Press Association for... For recognizing and acknowledging the link between animal agriculture and climate change. What he was referring to was the event organizers opting for a meatless dinner menu. And in the press room later, he compared consuming animal products, such as meat, to smoking cigarettes. Whatever his real motivation, those Golden Globes comments mirror many attacks on the livestock industry. That's according to Hannah Thompson-Weeman, Vice President of Communications at the Animal Ag Alliance. There is a small but very vocal segment of the population that has the mindset that it is not acceptable to use animals for food. So for those groups, it's really not about animal welfare. It's not about uh, changing how animals are raised or improving anything. For them, they don't want to see farms to exist at all raising animals, and they don't want people to eat meat. So it's an elimination mindset, and they're working towards convincing people they shouldn't eat meat. They're attacking animal welfare, attacking the environmental impact, and really trying to take advantage of the gap between farm and fork to give people false ideas about animal agriculture. It's moments like this where producers should not shy away but step to the forefront to communicate their own message. And now let's take a look at your opening markets. Right now, cash corn is at 383 and a quarter, while new crop corn is at 390 and a quarter. All the wild cash beans this morning are at 935. The new crop beans are at 943 and a quarter. Cash wheat is at 549 and a half. And new crop wheat is at 552 and a half. Butter's at 188. Block cheddar's also at 188. Cheddar barrels at 164 and a quarter. And right now, February milk is at 1724 and March milk is at 1746. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke.
Well, the end of the calendar year is right around the corner. Time to make some decisions. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here from my buddies at Zimbrick Chevrolet, Main Street, Sun Prairie. It is December. Talk to your tax advisor right now. See if buying a new vehicle for your business is going to reduce your tax bill. It's called Section 179, and lots of Chevy vehicles qualify. To use the 179 deduction, you need to do a couple things. The vehicle has to be titled in the company's name. It has to be used for business at least 50% of the time, and it's got to be placed into service before the end of this calendar year. Chuck Yebs, my buddy that's working in the fleet and commercial area, can help you out, or any of the staff at Zimbrick Chevrolet. Remember, they are a business elite dealer. That means you get extended service hours, work-ready loaners, and a smiling face in Chuck Ebbs that can work you through all of the right business decisions. Find out more today. Zimbrick Chevrolet, Main Street, Sun Prairie. He can smell fried cheese curds from 15 miles away. This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. It's almost 6 a.m., but before we go, I'm going to toss things to Pam Yonke. Pam? Welcome to the new calendar year, and welcome to Checkoff Chat. Back again with us in 2020. It's a message about your beef checkoff dollars at work for you. Research, education, and promotion. And remember, it's brought to you courtesy of the Wisconsin Beef Council, your beef checkoff dollars, and Equity Cooperative Livestock. Remember, Equity is Wisconsin's largest livestock marketing cooperative. They provide quality services at all of their 13 locations. Find out more online, equitycoop.com, for any and all of your livestock marketing needs. We appreciate their support. In studio with us today is uh, the executive director of the Wisconsin Beef Council, and that is Tammy Vossen. Now that we're into the new calendar year, Tammy, it's going to be an onslaught of meetings, but I think it's interesting. We've been talking uh, really for the past couple of weeks what consumers really understand about beef production today, what they get in beef versus a plant-based protein, which is the rage all of a sudden. Not only Wisconsin Beef Council, but also National Cattlemen's Beef Association is really focused in on not just what consumers hear on the radio, television, social media, but what they understand, how those messages resonate with them. Right. And so what we recognize that we've had a huge number of our farmers that have gone through the Beef Quality Assurance Program here in the last year or so um, to help them meet those marketing requirements on the other end of the of the uh, on the other end of the table um, with some of those packers who are putting those requirements in place. But what we thought, because we now have 85% of the beef produced in the U.S. today is actually certified through the Beef Quality Assurance Program. So um, the idea kind of came about that perhaps we should do some message testing with our consumers nationally to see if sharing information about BQA and how our farmers have this solid platform of an education and certification program in place would better help our consumers understand how we're raising the product as well as you know raise their overall confidence in um, the safety and how, how uh, beef is raised today. So in some of that pre-research that NCBA did on that national level, of course, they found that only 24% of consumers really have a good, solid understanding of how beef is produced. And a majority of consumers actually feel that our beef cattle 
are um, primarily raised in confinement today. So we have got a huge story to tell to do some better education about what we are doing on our farms. Wow, that's interesting. That's interesting. So uh, did they go so far as to talk about some of the advertising slogans or maybe some of the slogans or phrases that we use in the grocery store? You know, there has been a big effort, not just in Wisconsin, but nationally, to make sure consumers truly understand what they're buying when they go to the grocery store. Tell me a little bit more about the questions or the probing that National Cattlemen's Beef did with those consumers. Right. So um, they they asked them if consumers do consider how their beef is raised when they are making those purchasing decisions at the grocery store. And almost 50 percent of consumers say that they always or often consider um, beef production and how, how it is being raised on our farms today when they're making those dinner choices. So as a result of all of that background research and knowing that we've got the majority of our beef um, that is being produced under the BQA um, certification program today. And CBA actually launched a national consumer outreach and, and advertising program so that we could share that platform and share some of the, the facts about production, about our sustainability. Um, and in that pre-research, and they were testing some of the messaging, they actually found um, – that consumers who heard that message had more confidence in the safety of the beef that they were um, purchasing at the grocery store, uh, as well as animal welfare practices. So it really raised their overall awareness and confidence in their product. So the advertising program, um, it did, they, they worked through the platforms of Hulu, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And these were some preliminary numbers, but through video shares and then some of the social posts, they had over 6 million views of the videos that were posted out there. Um, And also through the Spotify ads, over 3 million um, listens to that particular ad. So early, early on results showed that nearly 23 million impressions were made as a result of this advertising program. So we'll continue to work on programs like that to educate our consumers about how our farmers are raising beef. Here in Wisconsin, we, of course, do our behind-the-beef stories that are posted on our website, showcasing our Wisconsin beef and dairy farmers and some of the practices that they're using on their farms. And then we also continue to do our... Um, our on-farm, farm-to-table tours with dietitians and culinary students and other influencers that are out there to tell that production story. Well, and how many times have we lived this, Tammy, where we have people that have crazy questions because they don't know? And one simple conversation, it doesn't even have to go so far as a tour or anything like that. It may be a face-to-face exchange with a beef producer, and suddenly everything's cleared up. It's just a matter of sharing our messages with those consumers in an easily understood way. Absolutely. And, you know, it it can be as simple. Even folks in our local communities have got questions about how we are raising beef. So whether you're sitting in the church pew or in a gymnasium watching an, an athletic event, um, share your story and just try to come up with some of those opportunities where you can create conversation about, you know, when it's really cold out here in January, we're out there checking those cows as they're calving um, through the night. Uh, we also have got an advocacy training program that's available online. It's called Masters of Beef Advocacy. 
Um, you can Google that, and it's it's a simple online platform that, you know, it it shares with you information about how to talk to our consumers. We don't, of course, want to be combative. We want to understand what their values are and really what their questions are. So it's a great program to be able to help you share your story. Well, and it's not real complicated. As you said, aside from uh, the on for online platform being pretty easy to access, in many regards, it is not uh, difficult to diffuse questions, concerns that consumers have. They just don't have an, a reliable source they can lean on Farmers still, last time I checked, one of the most reliable sources for the exchange of this kind of information. That's that's definitely true. And as we hear, you know, some of these sustainability concerns that are also coming up today and as consumers are thinking that, you know, beef cattle are contributing to climate change, we that makes it ever more important for us to be telling that story about how Cows are eating products that we as humans cannot digest, and they're upcycling that into a high-quality source of protein for our consumers today. And this uh, this topic is, as Tammy pointed out, this is so critical right now to make sure you're sharing your story. Because remember, uh, we have seen the competitive plant proteins come into the marketplace in a big way. And granted, you may say, well, that's just a, that's just a, fa- a fad. Well, you know what? It's displacing product in the marketplace that you're producing right now. So make sure that you're sharing your story. Speaking of sharing, uh, we will have more beef quality assurance trainings coming up in 2020, huh? There are. uh, Our partners with UW Extension have got a number of meetings planned here during the month of January. Um, I know that they've got locations or meetings coming up in Baraboo, Appleton, Oshkosh, and Blair. So certainly check those out. You can find that information on our website at beeftips.com. We've got a little um, icon called Cattleman's Corner. So if you click on the Cattleman's Corner, you'll see information for Beef Quality Assurance, and that will uh, guide you to those in-person meeting dates that you can attend and get uh, certified in BQA. If you've never sampled beeftips.com, I just got to tell you, it is a slick-looking website. You can find out, as she said, about behind the beef, those farmers that you see in your community, those beef producers, dairy producers all across the state of Wisconsin that are producing the quality product. There's, of course, fantastic recipes there. There are blogs to keep you up to date on different things that they're doing as an industry. So please, beeftips.com or Wisconsin Cattlemen on Facebook and other social media streams can get you connected. Tammy Vossen in studio with us for our inaugural checkoff chat for 2020. And of course, it's brought to you courtesy of your beef checkoff dollars. Remember, it's all about research, promotion, and education when it comes to the Beef Council. And also our friends at the Equity Cooperative Livestock. Remember, they are the largest livestock marketing cooperative. We've got 13 different locations all across the state of Wisconsin and one in Iowa as well. And all of them providing you top quality services when it comes to marketing all of your livestock. Take a look at them online. Equity Co-op Com. And that is Checkoff Chat. All right, Pam, thank you so much. That is great stuff right there. Hey, also, before I let you go, make sure to go to MidwestFarmReport.com so you can claim your free Fabulous Farm baby bib, courtesy of our friends at Quick Trip. If you or somebody you know is expecting a little one to join the family in 2020, well, why not get them a free baby bib, right? Again, MidwestFarmReport.com, free baby bibs from Quick Trip. It's January 8th, 2020, just about 6 o'clock. I'm Josh Scramlin, and we'll see you.